someone actually came up to me and asked me, well, what's the difference between him and the guy that I dated that hurt me? And I said, he respects me. I will never forget saying that because the other guy did not respect me. Anybody, listen up. Anybody that will talk you down, call you names, always try to make you look like the bad person, always try to paint a negative picture in everybody's mind about you, they do not love you. They do not care for you. They do not respect you. They don't want you. I don't care how long you guys have been together. I don't care. Even if you're friends, it doesn't have to be a relationship. This is on a friendship level as well. I don't care. They don't love you. Welcome back to another episode of I Wish Someone Would Have Told Me, where we dive into all those topics that we really wish somebody would have told us about before we started this whole adulting thing. <laughs> so let's jump right into this week's episode. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the second episode of I Wish Someone Would Have Told Me, where today, oof, today, I told y'all that the last one I wanted to start off a little soft and, you know, just create a little bit of a, of a foundation and, you know, all that other stuff. But now I am just jumping into it. Um, I knew going into this podcast that I was going to have to share life experiences in order to connect with the audience. That's what people connect with. You know, people connect to stuff that's real. And, um... So I was laying there, took a nap, and I woke up from my nap, and something I had written back in 2015, so almost five years ago, popped back into my head. And I went to my emails to find it, and I found it, and I was like, that's my next podcast topic. When I sat down and decided I wanted to do a podcast, I wrote down a ton of topics to last me for the whole year and some. This was not even on the list, but it made the list today. Like, I was like, this has to be talked about. I have to talk about this. Like, I have to get this out. <laughs> and so it's it's a little, um, mm, it's a little different for me to talk about in the sense of, you know, it's, it's going to be diving into some deeper parts of my life where I feel like usually these are parts of my life that I, I keep to close friends and family and things of that nature because I don't um, see the point in sharing them most times. But I've, you know, I understand and I was talking to my friend earlier and we were talking about how, you know, having a podcast, you're going to have to be vulnerable. Um, and so I, I, my goal is to be as vulnerable as possible with you guys and to share as much as possible with you guys while still protecting the integrity of other people. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care what anybody has done to me in my life. They don't deserve to look like a bad person. Even if they were a bad person, they just don't deserve to look like a bad person. And so very rarely will I ever mention names. Um, there's, there's probably never going to be a time that I say something bad about them that I'm not going to follow it up with, but you know, that was then. <laughs> and it's not that I, you know, I take on the responsibility of things that happen to me, but I just feel like everybody deserves a second chance. I also truly believe that who somebody is when they're with you may be completely different than who they are as you go on in life and they grow in life. Like 
I am not the same person I was years ago. And somebody gave me an opportunity to grow. I see where I have grown in life. Who's to say that other people have not grown in life either? That's not really my place to judge, so to speak. So, all that being said... (laughs) Wow. Um, It's like I don't even know where to start. Okay, so... I wrote this. It's something that I wrote back in 2015, a month before I reconnected with an old friend that became my husband. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm i like completely flabbergasted at the fact... I completely forgot about this, so I'm, I'm truly flabbergasted at the fact that I had written this and all that other stuff, I feel like this mindset that I had, like, gathered from this, um, truly shaped me to be ready for my husband to come in the picture of my life, like, it really did, um, and so, yeah, today's topic is, I wish someone, I guess I should get the topic right, (laughs) I wish someone would have told me to find contentment before commitment. That right there is key. Find contentment before commitment. And so I woke up from my little nap and I started writing. I started reading this and I just decided, you know, like most of my podcasts are just going to be me just talking, talking, talking. But I decided I wanted to read this and then just interject my thoughts as time goes, as you know, I read it. And then as things are said, just kind of expound on my experience so that it can bring a little context to what had happened at that time in my life. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so... I'm just going to jump into it. I'm going to read some. I'm going to talk some. And yeah, I'm I'm a little nervous only because I just, like I said, I always want to protect me, myself. I'm willing to share. Like, I'm willing to just share. I think that the more we share, the more we can help people out there. But I know that that's not everybody's desire to just share like that. And so I'm still a little just concerned about making sure I protect everybody's integrity in this. So I'm sharing and in my sharing, I'm not coming at anybody. I want to protect everybody, but this is my story. This is what happened to me. And therefore, I shall tell it the way it happened to me. And if you have grown from that, then just understand that at the time, you were very immature. And I was very immature. And we have all grown. And we have all moved on. (laughs) All right. So, this, like I said, this was something that I had written. It's a couple of paragraphs long that I had written. And it's called Contentment Before Commitment. Here it is. I think it's safe to say that every single... And by single, I mean not married or in a relationship. Person at some point or another gets tired of hearing your time is coming or the infamous you're next, which always seems to be said at your friend's wedding that you just so happened to be the bridesmaid in and caught the bouquet. We'll ignore the fact that this is your third bouquet in 10 years. The point is you caught it. I mean, I'm pretty sure, especially ladies, we've all been there. That we've been in somebody's wedding, we've caught a bouquet, and everybody's like, oh, you're next. And to me, I remember 
being in my 20s and people screaming, you're next. And it drove me crazy. Like y'all prophetic little, whatchamacallit, it was off. Like (laughs) it was way off. I remember someone telling me, oh, I I prophesy you going to get married by the end of next year. And I wasn't, and so they tried to adjust their prophecy to meet the timeline of my wedding, and that's not how prophecies work. Like, if you're going to prophesy something, it has to come to pass. You don't go back and adjust the prophecy. That's just not how it works. <laughs> like, that is not how it works. Uh, you extend the prophecy. That's what he, They said prophecy and overtime. Fam, I wish y'all could see my face right now. Fam, prophecy and overtime? Where, where they do that at? Where is that in the Bible? Prophecy in overtime. (laughs) So I said, but come on, let's be real. I've been next for years now. And since the first time that I was deemed next until now, I've attended and been in more weddings than I'd like to name. Guys, up until my wedding, I was in like 13 weddings. I think it was, I think I have 13 bridesmaid dresses. So that movie, 27 dresses, that was my testimony. That was truly my testimony. I just hadn't got up to 27, but I had 13. (laughs) Tell me how I'm crawling deeper into my 20s and I'm attending weddings for friends in their teens or anxiously awaiting the engagement of a 19-year-old friend. Oh, not to mention my friends that were born the same year as I was and are now married and on their second, third, or fourth child. Um... To all my prophets of the past, what exactly is your definition of a next? Because I think I keep getting skipped in line. Holding on is easy. I mean, you're kind of forced to do so when you think about it. Because, you know, everybody, everybody. <laughs> when people say you're next and you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, I know. Then they follow it up with, oh, but but hold on. God's got someone for you. God's got someone. Excuse me. What do you think I'm doing? Like, every day I wake up is another moment where I'm holding on because I really have no choice. Like, I have no choice. I'm waking up every day holding on because I have no choice. So yes, of course, I'm going to hold on. So holding on is easy. I mean, you're kind of forced to do so when you think about it. The mind battles are the hard part. The questions, the waiting game, the hopes that this one is the one, only to end up back at square one. (sighs) Those feelings are all too familiar. Like, Rachel of 2015, girl, I feel you. I feel you. (laughs) Recently, I learned what I feel is a powerful lesson that all young women should apply in their lives. It's the importance of contentment before commitment. Mind you guys. My husband, Stephen, was not even in the picture of my life at this time. So it wasn't like I became committed to somebody and learned this lesson. No, this was an epiphany that I learned that I I developed in my singlehood, in my singleness. I was single and I developed this epiphany. Um, Contentment before commitment. A year ago, I came to a place of peace and contentment in my life. Being in a relationship would have been fine, but not being in one was just fine, just as fine. As the year rolled out and this one rolled in, I found myself drawing closer and closer to God. Any ill feelings I'd had, 
hurts, regrets, anything, were all slowly pulled away. I became happy. I became content. Not because I was trying to use reverse psychology on God. If I act like I'm okay without a man, God will send a brother my way. No. (laughs) I was truly okay with having no feelings for anyone and with being single. Complete and total happiness and contentment along with the spiritual walk that had died and was now reviving. Woo! Girl. <laughs> I, uh, ooh, let me back up. This is 2015. So I guess the journey to writing Contentment for Commitment started in 2011. That's when it started, 2011. And this is where I get into my story. This is where I have to pause this to get into my story and tell y'all what had happened to me. (sighs) Disclaimer, this was 2011. This was almost 10 years ago. The people that are involved in this story are very different now, including myself. Everybody in this story was not innocent, including myself. I was not innocent. But I still gotta tell my story. All right. (laughs) So, 2011, June, I, I remember just kind of like feeling, uh, let me see, how old was I in 2011? I was, at that time, I was 19. I was, wow, I was 19 years old. It's insane. I was 19, um, and kind of just feeling very much so like, I don't know, lost in a way, just like lost. I had my own plan in my mind. I wanted to be married by 2021. Um, I wanted to have kids by, uh, all my kids out of the way by like 25, somewhere around there. And that's kind of my mom's timeline around the time now that I think of it. That's kind of how my mom did it. Um, but yeah, that was my plan. That's really cute. Wanted all the kids out of my out of the way by 25. Didn't get married till I was 26, I think I was when I got married. Yeah, so that was cute. Um and so I spent a lot of time just kind of wondering and praying and asking God to send me the one. So earlier in 2011, um we had we had visited uh my cousin's house and I had two friends that were at my cousin's house um, for the seafood thing that we went to. And so I had two friends that were at my cousin's house and they, they were telling me like, Rachel, we don't know what you're doing, but do you see that guy over there? Like you really, you really need to consider him. Like you, you really need to think about him. And me and this guy had had like a really rocky pass, very rocky pass. Our friendship level was like zero, <laughs> like zero. So I, I was just like, no, you know, I, I thought he was really attractive. I thought he was really nice. But because of our past, I was like, no, that's just not going to work. Um, We could never get past that. Um, And so that was like at the beginning of... 2011 so or maybe not the beginning anyways a couple months later we went to um we were going to church we were on our way to church and um we were going to a different city so we were watching a video in the car and this guy was on the video it was a it was a um, church video this guy was on the video and so my cousin looks at me and she's like hey why don't you why don't you consider him? Like, why, how come you've never talked about him? 
And mind you, okay, let me let me backtrack just for like two seconds here. From the time I met this guy up until probably about 2016 time, I always heard, I met this guy in like 2005, 2006, somewhere around there. So for like almost 10 years, people were always telling me like, you and this guy need to get together. Like y'all would be perfect for each other. So I was hearing it all the time. But, you know, at the beginning of the time that I met him, our friendship was non-existent. There was no friendship. The relationship was horrible. Um, And so when our friend, when our relationship was fine and we had like cleared the air and people were still coming up to me and telling me, oh, you guys should get together. I personally did not see the point in that because everything had, in my mind, been ruined in the first place. So when my cousin brought it up, like, how come you never mentioned him? I was just like, no. I said, no, I don't think it's going to work. And she said, why not? And I just kind of shrugged and I was like, it just wouldn't. And she said, hmm, I think it would. So then we get up here to church, you know, it was a different city. We get to the church. Preacher says something funny. My cousin, who, me and my cousin are so tight, like, we're really tight. And so... We, like, read each other's minds. <laughs> and so the preacher said something funny, and whatever it was, I knew it was something we would connect over. And I turned around to, like, joke with her, because she was sitting behind me, and I noticed this guy was here. Like, he, he lives in a different state, but he was here. And I was like, oh, snap. This was a setup. <laughs> and um, so it took me, like, at first, I was like, that that's not him. That is not him. And later on, after... Uh, after church, I look and I'm like, yo, that's him. He's here. And so I asked my, um, I asked my cousin, like, you know, why did you bring him up? Did you know he was going to be here? Like, did you know? Um, and all of this is super important. It's super important because women, we like signs. Okay. We like signs. Oh, speaking of signs. So a couple of months earlier, him and his family had traveled down to where we were. And someone made a comment about him being in a relationship. And I remember just being like low-key heartbroken that this dude was in a relationship. But mind you, up until that point, I had never thought of him like that. Like never thought of him like that. So I remember going home very, very confused about why, why am I feeling this way that this dude is in a relationship considering that I, I, I've never considered him like that. And so turns out that they were actually talking about someone else with his same name but they mistaken it for him so yeah they cleared that up he wasn't in a relationship um or yeah but anyway so here we are at church leave church I asked my cousin I'm like hey did you know he was gonna be here and she's like no I, I had no clue and so later that weekend um this guy's best friend was kind of pursuing a girl that was really close friends with me who was one of the girls who who had told me at my cousin's house like hey you need to consider this guy so she's like there's no it's not a coincidence you guys are here at the same time you need to consider this guy you know and all this other stuff and I'm just like he's not gonna want to talk to me he's not and she's like Rachel he wants to talk to you like trust me I know he wants to talk to you so she kind of set it up in a way that she could go talk to the guy that she was interested in. And because they were together, I could just talk to this guy. And I got over there and I did not talk to him, but he struck up a conversation with me. And so for the rest of that weekend, we just talked and talked and talked. I mean, we talked so much for the rest of that weekend. 
and it was really nice like we got to know each other on a completely different level that I really wish I would have known him uh like that from the beginning of our friendship because I just feel like we would have had a much better friendship had I known him like that at the beginning but I didn't so oh well um but yeah so I (laughs) we 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 talked we had these conversations or whatever and when we got back home we continued talking and in that time we did we both develop feelings we both express those feelings um you know my family is a christian family who's very um how would you say it like they we have our christian values of you go talk to the dad if you want a relationship with this girl and at one point he was like you know i'm gonna go because my uncle has been kind of like my stand-in dad so he was like you know i'm gonna go I'm going to go talk to, um, your uncle. And then he didn't. And when he didn't, I was, I, I remember just asking him like, how'd it go? How'd it go? How'd it go? And he was just like, I'll talk to you later. And this right here, guys, is what we call red flags, but I ignored them because I really enjoyed our friendship so much. Um, but this right here was probably a red flag, which I have a podcast set up to talk about red flags. We will talk about that, but this is probably one that I I should not have ignored. Um, turned out he decided not to talk to my uncle. When I sat down and questioned him on it, it was because he, uh, he was in a relationship with someone and he knew basically that it was wrong for him to even try to talk to my uncle because of this relationship with this other person. And instead of me just cutting it off right there, I I should have just cut it off right there, but I didn't. Instead, I felt like he needed my friendship because at that point we started sharing so much with each other that I felt like we kind of needed each other, you know? And, um, so I told him, hey, let's just remain friends. And we did. And so throughout 2011 and into a little bit of 2012, man, we were like inseparable. Yo, I went to a whole nother country and we found ways to talk while I was in a whole nother country. Um, at that time you couldn't go to another country with T-Mobile and still text people and call people. No, like we were like emailing and, um, everything was great. We developed a really good relationship, a really good friendship, at the end of the day, I really think that's what hurt me. The friendship part, just losing out on that friendship, which I got something about that too. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, losing out on that friendship, we, we developed a great friendship, a great relationship, things of that nature. Um, y'all, like, I, I guess I, I'll just tell this because it's going to be important later. Like, at his job at the time, he couldn't use his phone, but he would go to his phone and like, like sneak in the bathroom and to talk to me and be like oh yeah I snuck my phone so I could talk to you you know like do stuff like that he called me at the same time every single night every night and we talked till he got home and until it was time for him to go to bed you know we we didn't do the whole falling asleep on the phone thing but you know that's what we did we just talked and then every morning we talked and we talked all day and this was the guy that I could get on the phone and I could talk to about natural stuff and spiritual stuff we were always laughing always joking so come easter time 2012 um around easter time he called me 
but I was at church doing something, so I couldn't answer. So I didn't answer. So I texted him, and I, I, I kind of saw in his text that he was a little upset with me that I couldn't answer the phone. And he was just kind of like, you know, I've got all this stuff going on. I had all this stuff going on. I just wanted to get away from it and talk to you. So a couple of days after I missed that phone call, I just noticed he was very distant. He wasn't really texting me in the morning. He wasn't really uh, calling me. I remember one night he didn't call me. And so I called him. And when I called him, he was like, he was just kind of very short with me. And I said, and he was like, you know, basically, what are you calling me for? <laughs> Not in so many words. I was just like, oh, well, you know, you usually call me and you didn't. And he was like, we don't have to talk every night. And it was just really shocking to me because literally for almost a year, we've been talking every night. Like, <laughs> so for you to just like, it's just out of the blue, just be like, oh, we don't have to talk every night. It, it was very shocking to me that that was his response. And I was just like, oh, okay. Well, I was just calling to make sure you're okay. And he was like, yeah. And then like the next day he would be like, oh, going to get a haircut. Wanted to send you a picture of my new haircut. And yeah, it was really weird. So then, like, a week after all of that started, he randomly calls me. I remember it was a Monday. I was sick. I was home. I was taking a nap. He randomly calls me. I'm not going to go into details, but he randomly calls me, and he just starts going off on me. I mean, I'm, like, half sleep trying to figure out what is going on. He starts calling me names, telling me, like, you're this and you're that. I don't like you. Like, I mean, just going to this day i have no clue what happened and if you ask him what happened he will say he doesn't know what happened <laughs> like neither one of us know what tripped in his head to make him make that phone call to me but he did and i just i, I just let him fuss at me i did i i just let him fuss at me and then we i told i just at the end i just said okay and that was a Monday. On Wednesday, I called him and I was like, hey, can we talk? Because I was half sleep. I don't know what's going on. And he was just like, no, Rachel, no. I said what I had to say. I'm done. We're done. I don't, I don't want to talk to you anymore. And I was just like, okay, all right. And I left it alone. And I, I was hurt at the time, but this was not the time that I was brokenhearted. I was just hurt because I, I didn't understand and I like we had become like best friends and it was it was very very hurtful very hurtful so he, 2012 I didn't talk to him at all 2013 comes along June of 2013 going to this same church service <laughs> and before we went to that church no 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 no. it was when we were there June 2013 we get to this church service and he's there and I, I have not seen him or talked to him since that last encounter so I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to say hi, and then I'm going to keep my distance. Well, my granddad was there. My granddad sees this guy, and he's like, Rachel, like, why don't you do something with that guy? I'm telling you, like, he's the one, like, just going on and on. I, I, I of course, just, because this guy is just so well-known and so popular in a way, I didn't want him to look bad. So I told my granddad, I was like, no, you know, that's just... It's just not gonna work. Just and he's like, why, why? And I'm like, it's just not gonna work, Granddaddy. Like, drop it. So, you know, we we used to do banquets and stuff for church services, and and so he asked me if I was gonna be, um, 
if if I was going to be, if I was going to go to the banquet at my granddad's church, my granddad is having a banquet. And I, I told him, yes. And he tells me, well, nobody in his family or anybody that's coming down with him is they're They're not going to go, but he's going to go. I didn't think anything of it. I really didn't. I was just kind of like, okay, whatever. Because in my mind, I'm like, this dude wants nothing to do with me. He's just trying to be cordial and nice. But he was talking to me a lot that weekend. But I still was just like, no, he doesn't want anything to do with me. He's just trying to be nice. So then that was June. Come July, um, he, he comes down. He's at my granddad's church and everything is Rachel, Rachel, Rachel. Like my mom said, she remembers him yelling my name across the parking lot one time to get my attention because it, it drew her attention. Like, what is he calling her for? You know, like it really like caught her attention as to why he was trying to get my attention. And, um, so, <laughs> ugh, he, he was like, always just talking to me, always around me. And then the night of the banquet, my cousins, uh, different set of cousins, I'm telling you, everybody thought we should have been together. Different set of cousins were like, Hey, we're going to go to the mall to get some stuff for the banquet. You want to come? And I said, yeah, I'm going to go. So this guy walks up to me. He's like, Hey, where are you, where are you going? And I said, I'm, I'm going, no, he asked where miniature golf was. And I said, Oh, it's about 20, 30 minutes away. He said, Oh, it's kind of far. Where are you headed right now? And I said, Oh, I'm headed to such and such a mall it's about 20 or 30 minutes away and he was like oh we'll go with you so in my head I'm like what kind of logical sense does that make like the other place is too far but this place is just as far and you're gonna go so then I was just kind of like what is he trying to pull right now like that was my mindset that was my mind what is he trying to pull <laughs> and I was like okay well whatever so he got his whole group he convinced them to go to the mall instead of going to miniature golf and they hung out with me and my cousins at the mall and my cousins were like joking around like, hey, mind you, my cousins did not, I had never told them about this guy. This set of cousins, I had never told them about this guy. But because of the way he was acting, they were picking on me saying, oh, is he your boyfriend now? Not even knowing that there was history there. Like they didn't even know. And so I'm just like trying to keep my distance, trying to keep my dis distance. And I went home to get ready for the banquet and I remember going to my mom's room and just being like mom I don't know what he's trying to pull why he came to the mall all that other stuff and I remember my mom was doing her hair and she she looked at me and she said Rachel don't push him away because you never know that could be the one that God has for you look at the end of the day I don't care how hurt I was that was some great advice from my mom it really was some great advice from my mom because I think a lot of times when women get hurt they start pushing people away and then they wonder why they're single and God's like I brought him to you but you pushed him away so I personally think that that was great advice from my mom she was 100% right to tell me that so at that point my guards began to drop and that night I saw him. I didn't really talk to him, but I, you know, I think I just said hi. I think he just complimented my outfit, and then that was it. Um, later on that month, went to another church service in, in his state, and I saw him. And I remember the last day that we were there, the last night that we were there, he came up to me and he asked me, like, um, you know, what time are you leaving tomorrow? He, he was going to go to his church, but he was going to come back to the church that I was visiting and say bye. And I told him, you know, right after service, we're leaving. And he said, okay, I'm going to come back and I'm going to say bye to you. Okay, that's fine. Bruh, he made sure he was there. 
And a part of me at that time was like beginning to try to let him back in. So I remember when I got out of service, one of my really good friends was there and I told her, I said, he didn't make it. And she said, girl, that boy would not have missed saying bye to you. He pulled up right after I pulled up. He's over there in his brother's car. And I was like, oh, wow, he did make it. But that whole time, though, I just avoided him and talked to everybody else. Like, I literally talked to everybody else but him. And then when we were getting on the bus to leave, I finally said bye to him. And he texted me and he was like, I felt like you were kind of distant this weekend. You know, what happened? And I told him, you know, I just didn't completely feel comfortable opening myself up. And he said, I I think I know what it is. And I just want to say, I'm sorry for everything that I did. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. And he just started pouring out his heart in text, apologizing to me. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like this dude doesn't apologize to anyone. Like he definitely likes me, which I truly believe he did. Um, just some people have to grow up, grow into love, I guess you can say. But because of that, I, I kind of opened up to him a little bit more. Um, he asked me to give him the opportunity to prove it. And I, I said, okay, I, uh, I said, okay. And, um, so we started communicating, but I, I still kind of kept my distance. And then, um, he called me one day and he asked me, do I see a future with him? And that right there was what did it. I didn't want to say anything. So I didn't, I just let him talk. And he told me that he saw, he was like, well, maybe if I answer first, it'll help you answer. And he just poured out his heart about how he did see a future with me and everything like that. And then at the end of all of it, he said, now, how do you feel? And I said, I feel the same way. And he was like, cool, cool. And from there, we went back to our old talking all the time, laughing all the time, you know, just our old, our old friendship was just sparked all back over again. And, um, that lasted a couple months that lasted a couple of months. And, um, I remember he talked to me one time and he was like, you know, I've been praying about our relationship. Another red flag for me that I ignored because our friendship was so good. He said, I've been praying about our relationship and, you know, God hasn't given me a yes on you. So I'm going to keep praying, but I just still want to talk. But just so you know, like I haven't gotten this yes on you yet. And I was like, okay, you know, we'll just keep praying and see where the Lord leads us. So... In October, I we went to another state, another church. I travel a lot for church, as you all can tell. Went to another church. And um, um, I remember seeing him, but not really talking to him because I was beginning to feel some type of way, like, what if this guy really doesn't like me, you know? And so at that time, the people who started it all, his best friend and the girl that I was friends with that was dating his best friend, they were there at those services. And so me and her were together and I told her like, I don't think he wants to be with me. Like I, I just have this feeling that he does not want to be with me. And she starts telling me all this stuff that he was telling his best friend, which she knows because you know, that's her boyfriend. She starts telling me all this stuff and she's like, Rachel, he wants to be with you. Like he really wants to be with you. And when she told me all this stuff, I was just like, that's my answer. I'm going to be with this guy. And by this time I was deeply, deeply, deeply in love, like deeply in love at, by this time. And, um, so I go back to my best friend and I tell her 
who she knew our journey, our ups and downs and all that other stuff. She knew it. And I went back and I told her, you know, everything that my friend had told me about this guy. And she said, Rachel, I have something to show you. And she's like, you know, I just, I want to show this to you because we're friends. And I, I said, I wouldn't say anything. So, um, you know, please don't you say anything, but I just want to show it to you. She showed me text messages on her phone between her and this guy. And she, they were friends before me and him were friends. They were friends from like childhood type thing. And they were really close friends. And so I guess because of all his up and down and turbulence with my life, she felt the need to go to him and be like, yo, stop playing with my best friend. Like either you like her, or you don't tell me why in those text messages, he said, I never liked Rachel. Rachel was always chasing me. I was never chasing her. I told her I didn't want to be with her and she didn't listen to me. I never liked her, bruh. You talk about a broken heart. You you talk about like life just crumbling at that moment. Life crumbled at that moment. Like I I I don't know how else to explain that feeling. Like I I don't know to this day I can't explain. It was like someone had died. And I looked at her and I I said to her, "He wants you." That was the first thing out of my mouth. And she said, what? And I said, yeah. I said, because that's not true. That's not true. He wants you. And he said all of that to you to make it seem like nothing happened between us. I said, mark my words, he's coming for you next. A year almost to the date they started dating. Ended up breaking up. But they did start dating. I just knew, I knew he wanted her. Like, I just, I don't know how I knew. I guess I could not wrap my mind around how somebody who spent the whole year chasing me could come down to one text and say, I never wanted her. Like, how was that even possible? So I cried and I cried and I cried. And y'all, I felt like this man... I felt like my world was just turned upside down. I tell people all the time, it, this may sound crazy, but to those of you who have, have experienced heartbreak, like in 2013, the Rachel that a lot of people knew, that happy-go-lucky, jokey Rachel, she died. Like sometimes I look at old pictures and old, I used to make funny videos on Instagram and I look at those things. I, I deleted my Instagram, so I lost most of it, but some of it I still have. I looked and I'm like, Man, I don't even have a sense of humor like that anymore. Like, hurt will mature you quick. Hurt will make you grow. It forces you to grow up. You just think about life in a completely different way when you when you get hurt. And that's what happened. Like, that hurt just, ugh. It, I don't, I can't explain it. It changed me. It changed the way I thought about life. It changed the way I functioned in life. I just stopped talking to this guy. And he called me and he was like, like a month later, he called me. He's like, I don't know what happened, but I just feel like I need to ask for your forgiveness, even though I don't even know what I'm asking forgiveness for. Like I, <laughs> cause he didn't know. I, I didn't say anything to him at that point. So a couple of weeks later, um, he had one of his nephews were born. And when the nephew was born, like it was like Thanksgiving time. And so he sent me a picture 
when he sent me the picture, my heart just melted. I was like, oh my gosh, you know. And so I called him and started talking about the nephew. And then I was like, let me just tell you what happened. And I told him about the text messages, which had my best friend give me a silent treatment for like months and months and months. But I did tell him about the text messages and he was like, I'm sorry. He's like, I don't even remember sending her that, you know, all that other stuff. But yeah, I was like, I read them like they were there. It was your number. It was you. Like, I know it was you. And he just apologized up and down. But at that point, I think he knew it was over. Like, it was done at that point. That At that point, there was no amount of love that could put me and him back together. I felt like he had mistreated me for the last time. Like, it was like, that's it. You you literally, you you broke up with me the first time by calling me and calling me names and dogging me and making me look like this horrible person. And then you turn around and you did this after you spent all year chasing me, knowing good and well that I've been pushing you away all year. And then when I finally let you in, I find this out. No, we're done. We're done. Like there's nothing you can do at this point. And from that point on, I still heard people, oh my gosh, you all should end up together, all that. And I would just tell them, no, no, no. And for people that knew the story and would be like, come on, Rachel, give them a chance. I would be like, bro. You already know I done been there, done that. I'm not doing that one again. Like, that's just, it's just not happening. Um, But when he left, oh my gosh, y'all. I just felt like my whole world came crumbling down, which later in this letter, in this little writing I made, I talk about that. Like, I lost myself in that guy. Like, I feel like I created almost like a whole identity around him that I didn't even realize. But there was just so much happiness in our friendship. To this day... I don't miss our phone calls, like, uh, like all the sweet things he said to me. I don't miss that. I don't miss how lovey-dovey he was at times. I don't miss any of that. The only thing I miss is our friendship. That's what I miss. I miss having that friend that I can go to and I can talk to, and we just clicked and connect on so many different levels. That's all I miss. Like, our friendship is it. And I think that's what hurt me the most is our friendship was gone. And I felt so betrayed by somebody that I did consider my best friend. And that betrayal ran deep because I was at the darkest point of my life and he was there for me. And he sent me this song called Angel By Your Side. And that's what he would just tell me. Like he, he'd always tell me, remember, I'm the angel by your side. Like always. And it was like, man. But the problem was every time... I brought it up to him instead of him letting me express how I feel. He'd always cut me off and be like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm... He never let me express how I feel. It wasn't until recently that I basically was like, don't say anything. Let me tell you how I feel because I never got to get this off my chest. Like I never got to get this off my chest. I never got to tell you how you made me feel. Every time I tried, you cut me off and you just go into like this whole pattern of I'm sorry's and like he told me one time I remember I got engaged and this oh this is definitely a topic we're gonna bring back up when I got engaged my husband and I were like you know we we, we talked like this guy we need to talk to this or I needed to talk to this guy because like my hurt from this guy was affecting my relationship with my husband and he was like you need to get this off your chest but when I called the guy to get it off my chest 
It was like he just went into all these I'm sorry's and if I could hug you and take all the pain away, I would and all this other stuff. And I never got to express to him like you killed Rachel. Like I never got to express that to him at that time. And so I felt like I just, I never got that off my chest. And I sat with that hurt for years, like years. I sat, there was a time up until maybe last year that I could not tell this story without going into tears because the hurt was still there. Now I tell it and I'm just like, you was so dumb, girl. Like, (laughs) I'm like free from all of that now. But yeah, it was, there was a time that I just couldn't because that hurt was there because I never got to tell him, you, you took everything from me you really did but that's why the importance of contentment before commitment comes in here so here i am uh talking here about how i was uh in a relationship and the um you know when this that hurt happened it completely just tore my life apart that's the part i left off on in this um in this little writing that I made. Um, and so the last thing I said was, I was truly okay with having no feelings for anyone and with being simple, complete and total happiness and contentment along with a spiritual walk that had died and was now reviving. So when that guy hurt me, like I, I, I lost trust in God even. And so my spiritual walk really was dying. And it took a couple of years for me to get back to God. Like it did. It took it took a couple of years for me to really get back to God. Um, And so I say, of course, we know the devil likes to test our confessions. He tested mine, sent a great brother my way. And after a few months, we parted ways. Now, this is a different guy. This guy came into the picture. But the problem with this guy was that my uncle told him what he needed to do to be with me. Because like I said, we're old-fashioned. My uncle told him what he needed to do with, to be with me. He just refused to do it. He didn't see the point in doing it. And for me, it was like, look, if you're going to respect my air quote dad, we can't be together. Like, that's just not it. And he tried to make me challenge what my uncle was saying so many times. And I would tell him, either we're going to do it this way or it's just not going to happen. Like, <laughs> there is no in-between. You're not going to get me to challenge my uncle. That's not happening and so he came into my life for a few months and then we parted ways and I said but you know what didn't part with him my happiness nor that content feeling I developed in those months where God had constantly worked on me so after this great heartbreak God had put something in me that helped me to be content and then when this guy came along and left out of my life he took nothing with him nothing with him the first guy broke my heart and I felt like he took all of me with him this guy he took nothing and I write here and then it clicked so many of us are guilty of trying to find commitment so that it can produce a contentment before uh sorry yeah trying to get all intellectual let me read that again (laughs) So many of us are guilty of trying to find commitment so that it can produce contentment. Been there, done that. Got the t-shirt and the mug. Years ago, I built my happiness, my inner strength, my confidence, my joy, my everything on one guy. He became the foundation of my existence. No wonder when he walked away, I felt like my whole world fell apart. And in a way, it did. 
because the only world I established for myself was one centered entirely around him and not him. And what I was saying here, if you read it, is I centered my world around this guy, not around God. I say, did you catch that? Because my world was centered around this guy, when this guy left, my world crumbled. But when you have a life that's centered around God, it does not matter who comes and goes. It does not matter who hurts you and who doesn't. You still have a firm foundation and that person can take nothing from you. At the time though, I write, I could barely function. I'd never felt my heart ache like that before. I thought truly I'd never love again. But when I started building a relationship with Christ and made him the foundation of my life, that was something unbreakable. No one gave it to me and no one could take it away. So when this guy came along years later, talking about the one who didn't want to listen to my granddad. So when this guy came along years later, I was already standing firm and content with my life. When he walked away, he took nothing of me with him because I built nothing of me on him. Woo! 2015 Rachel was rocking it. <laughs> when he walked away, he took nothing of me with him because I built nothing of me on him. When asked what next, I said, I'm going to find someone that adds to my strength, adds to my content and happy lifestyle, and of course, adds to my spirituality. Oh, uh, I remember when I was dating my husband, someone actually came up to me and asked me, well, what's the difference between him and the guy that I dated that hurt me? And I said, he respects me. I will never forget saying that because the other guy did not respect me. Anybody, listen up, anybody that will talk you down, call you names, always try to make you look like the bad person, always try to paint a negative picture in everybody's mind about you. They do not love you. They do not care for you. They do not respect you. They don't want you. I don't care how long you guys have been together. I don't care. Even if you're friends, it doesn't have to be a relationship. This is on a friendship level as well. I don't care. They don't love you. They don't respect you. They don't need to be a part of your life. Anybody that's always trying to bring you down needs to be booted out because they don't deserve a place in your mind or in your life or anything like that. They just don't. And I remember telling that person, that's the main difference between my husband and the guy that hurt me. My husband has always respected me. Like that man, my mom always says, that man loves you. Like she always says that and he does. Like he will go to the end of the earth for me. Like my husband loves me. I could not imagine receiving the love that I have from my husband from the other guy. Like I just, I couldn't. Like he didn't respect me. So he wouldn't have been able to love me. Not the way that I deserve to be loved. That's key. It's a difference between loving you and loving you the way that you deserve to be loved. Sometimes people just love your presence. Sometimes people just love your your companionship. Sometimes people just love having you around. They don't love you though. That's different. So you got to make sure that the person that you're with, again, this could be a friendship or a relationship. They love you and respect you for you and they don't turn around and stab you in the back. That is so important. When asked what's next, I said, I'm going to find someone that adds to my strength, adds to my content and happy lifestyle, and of course, adds to my spirituality. 
Finding someone to grow with naturally, emotionally, spiritually, and sometimes even financially is vital. And I will say most times, even financially. You know, I was a little girl when I wrote this, but I'll say every time y'all can grow financially. And it's funny, I wrote this. And then when I was in marriage counseling, my uncle told me, he said, uh, you know, there's four tires in a marriage. It's an emotional tire, a spiritual tire, a financial tire, and there's a fourth tire that is uh, completely leaving my mind right now. <laughs> but the fourth tire that he said did have to go with, um, uh, oh, a physical tire, a physical tire. And here I am, 2015, I said, somebody I can grow with naturally, emotionally, spiritually, and financially. So I had already had this concept down in my brain and didn't even realize it until I went back and I read this. And I was like, oh, that's what my uncle told me. Um, finding someone to grow with all those ways is vital because it's easy to work on a team with someone pulling in the same direction as you and not someone you have to drag along. Oh, that's so key. Like having to drag someone along with on your life. It's just, it's not worth it. It's not going to work anything like that. Like you, you have to make sure that the person you're bringing along on your life is someone who is pulling for you in life. And no one that talks bad about you behind your back or to your face is pulling for you. There's a difference between talking bad about you to put you down and just like giving you constructive criticism. And even then you got to watch everybody that gives you constructive criticism because everybody that says something to so-called constructively criticize you, sometimes they're just trying to put you down. But you know the difference. You know the difference. We as humans sometimes try to ignore the differences, but we know the difference. We do. So just having that person that's pulling with you, they want to see you grow and they want to help you grow and they're always pushing you forward. Somebody who does have to sometimes tell you the truth in love and it's going to hurt, but they follow it up to make sure that you know, hey, I'm pushing for you. I'm rooting for you. I just had to say something to you that hurt you, but come on, let's figure out these next steps together. What are we going to do to make this thing better? Those are the kind of people you want to keep around. Not somebody that calls you out of the blue while you're sleeping sick and calls you a bunch of names and then hangs up the phone and wants to have no more conversations about it. But I digress. I once was told, pray for a brother who knows his purpose in God and where he's going and make sure you know yours too. That is key. Use your single moment to not only find purpose, but to start working in your purpose as well. Be actively involved in whatever ministry God has called you to. When he sends the right one along, it'll be someone who complements that ministry and not someone going in a completely different direction. So if you profess Christianity and you're out there saying that you have a ministry and God has anointed you to do something and then someone comes along, some nappy-headed boy comes along and tries to pull you, first of all, away from church, away from God, and away from your ministry that is not the one boo i don't care how perfect it happened i don't care how much of a fairy tale it sounds like that is a trip a trick of the enemy that is not the one anybody who tries to pull you away from where god has established you is not the one god will always add to you not take away that's a tip from my uncle god will always god always adds and multiply he does not take away or divide that's a tip right there <laughs> um when, God, when he sends you the right one along, it'll be someone who compliments that ministry and not someone going in a completely different direction. And you'll compliment the purpose that God has put in his life as well. Find contentment before commitment. It'll save you a lot of headache and heartache in the end. Bruh, I wish someone would have told me. 
I do, because here I was just a vulnerable little girl getting into a relationship with the guy and I had no contentment in my life. So I built my life around him. And I really did think this is it. Like, this is it. I'm going to marry this guy. Like, I really did truly talk myself into believing that. And now, five years later, after I wrote this and eight years after that whole ordeal happened, almost eight years after that whole ordeal happened, he's married with a kid and moved on with his life. I'm married. Like, he's not thinking about me i'm not thinking about him but at the time i truly truly thought like this is it the lord has blessed me with my boaz and no (laughs) no that was a trick of the enemy but you know i it's it's not that he's the enemy i don't want to get it wrong i don't want to get it twisted you know i i never try to paint anybody in a wrong light like even when i got married or not even got married i was just dating my husband I told my husband this story. I told him I get hurt. I did not tell him who the person was, though. Like, I did not tell him who the person was. So he actually met the guy. And once he met the guy, I was like, yeah, that's the guy that hurt me. And he was like, what? And I was like, I didn't want to tell you because I wanted you to create your own opinion of him and not have it tainted by what he did to me. Like, I feel like he's probably not the same person now. So I don't want your opinion of him to be tainted. And it's not. My husband can see him now, shake his hands, stand and have a conversation with him because he already had developed his own opinion of him. So... Yeah, that right there. I woke up and I was just like, oh, I got to record this. So thank you all for listening. Thank you for talking about my story. If you can relate to this story, please send me an email. I want to hear your story. I want to talk about your story on my podcast. I want to talk about the different things that you're feeling or the different things that you have felt, the different epiphanies that you have had. Like, I want to talk about it all. So yeah, I had so much fun telling this, just reminiscing. I can't believe I went through this whole story with a smile. Like, eh, it's nice to be able to tell this story with a smile. It's nice to smile, look back and smile because you see how far God has brought you and the blessings that God has given you and that it it doesn't even matter. Like, none of this stuff even matters anymore. (laughs) Anyways, now for the outro. All right, that wraps up this episode of I Wish Someone Would Have Told Me. If you all have something more that you want to add, please just share it with me at iwish.swhtm at gmail.com. That's iwish.someonewouldhavetoldme, swhtm at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your feedback, your critiques, your thoughts. Maybe we'll talk about them on another episode. I'm always down for doing a part two of anything and coming back and talking about something more or expounding on some of your topics. And hey, if you know a person who's not quite adulting yet, go ahead and share this with them so that they can get some tips from us older folk (laughs) on some of the things that we've gone through in life and some of the things that they need to look out for in life. And I'm always willing to have conversations. So please, please, please drop me a line i'm always looking for new topics so if you can think of a topic that you wish someone would have told you about go ahead and drop that line all right i'll talk to you all next week have a great week toodles